welcome to the Grand Point Church Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Stein, and today's message is the final one in our Mud Run series, and it's called Strengthened by Trials. At the beginning of today's message, you'll hear our next-gen pastor, Rodney Beisline, talking about photos from a mini Mud Run the Grand Point staff participated in. You can find some of those photos on our social media pages if you want to check it out. It was an incredible reminder that no matter how deep in the mud our lives feel, God is always there to help us through the obstacles. If you want to follow along with today's verses, they come from James 1, 2-4 and 1 Peter 1, 6-7. Well, in case you couldn't recognize who any of those folks are because they were covered in mud, that was the Grand Point Church staff. Pastor Kevin was up there. Ashley from Kids Point was up there. I was up there. Um, if you're new to Grand Point and don't realize that this is part of a, a larger thing that's happening around the area, Grand Point Church is one church that meets in three locations with a vision to just help as many people as possible take their journey to find and follow Jesus on a life-changing journey. And so I'm just one of several staff who uh, gets to help you guys see this happen in our community. Uh, My name is Rodney. I am the next-gen pastor. Um, A little bit about myself. I did grow up in Shippensburg. I I went to the high school or the the whole, the school district, lived there for um, my whole childhood and then moved away for a little while for ministry and things like that. And then about three years ago, moved back to the area, um, beginning ministry with Grand Point Church, initially as the youth pastor, and then just recently moved into this whole role of next gen. I'll tell you a little bit more what that means in just a second. Um, But it has just been so exciting for me as a Shippensburg native to just see what's happening here at Grand Point Ship with the, the innovation, the passion, the excitement that so many of you are bringing to um, Shippensburg and just seeing the stickers and the magnets all over town and it's just so inspiring to me to, to watch this unfold here in my hometown. I've been married to my wife, Jen, for almost 15 years now. We have five kids, so perseverance is close to home for me when I I think of my day-to-day life in in that terms, and I know a lot of you um, parents with kids in here can relate to that. It's it's a hustle every day, um, just keeping up with the laundry, the dishes, those kinds of things. Perseverance is this theme that we've been looking at all month long as a church together, and uh, we kind of we're nearing the finish line of the Mud Run series, if I can use some uh, running puns with you here this morning, as we just wrap up this idea of what does it mean to truly follow Jesus for a lifetime. And as the next-gen pastor, this means something to me in a, a special way, particularly as we as a church wrestle with this idea of how do we ensure that what we're doing now carries through with our young people into the future? How can we make sure that our next generation gets the whole idea of church, Jesus, God, that, that, that lifelong journey that we are passionate about as adults, how do we pass that on to young people? And I know we got a lot of young people in the room. We have much to learn from them as well in this. Um, The next-gen role is new with Grand Point Church. Like I said, I originally came on board as the youth pastor, served in that for uh, three years, and then as a church, we had sort of been moving towards this idea of how can we 
as a church work better together across campuses, across departments, to make sure that what we're doing will make the greatest impact on the next generation. So really, I, I like to say my role is just to be the cheerleader, the champion for our, our youth department, our children's department, um, to help them do their ministry as best as they can, and help us as a church think in terms of the next generation across the board. This idea of a life-changing journey, the sooner it starts, the sooner we instill that in our young people, the greater chance they have of success in pursuing, persisting, persevering through this life-changing journey um, for, the li- for the lifetime, for the long haul. All that to say, I'm really excited to see what's happening here with the Circle 60 and the Hang 15 that Scott and Amy and their team are doing. So for all the uh, Circle 60 folks who have stepped up and answered the call of youth ministry here at Grand Point Ship, thank you. You guys are awesome. I'm so excited to see what's going to happen with that. Ashley and Logan and all the folks back in Kids Point here, they're doing an amazing job um, just creating ministry that meets our kids right where they're at. So if you don't know um, them or what they're doing here, make sure you check that out. And ask yourself, is God calling you to step into that role of children or youth ministry? Because let me tell you, that is a journey. That is an adventure. That is something that we can learn from um, by all means. But anyway, back to our sermon message for today. That was my whole commercial for Next Gen and all that kind of stuff. But for all of us, though, we find ourselves in the midst of a journey, in the midst of of a mess. Just like the video, there are obstacles in our way. There are things that we are dealing with. So I don't know what you came in here with this morning. If you're like me, maybe you're thinking about all the stuff that you did yesterday. My, my wife and I were uh, in the process of helping her um, aunt, who is uh, getting older and moving into a personal care home. We were cleaning out her apartment, and it was a perseverance, a lesson in perseverance, just getting every last thing out of that apartment so that we could turn the keys over, so her mom could turn the keys over. Just that reminder of finishing the job. Maybe you're thinking about the 60 hours you worked this past week, or maybe you're thinking about the piles of laundry you have to go home to, um, just like my house. Maybe you're thinking about that situation with that coworker or that friend that's just tense, and you're not sure how you're going to resolve things. Maybe you're reflecting on, you know, this is Memorial Day weekend, thinking of those who went before us that persisted until the end so that we can celebrate the freedoms that we have. Whatever is on your mind this morning, we recognize that we're coming into a very timely topic of perseverance. What does it mean to stick it out even when things get hard. So we're going to jump right into some scripture here this morning that sort of recaps where we were last week and a couple weeks before. And then uh, I've got some personal stories to share with you. I hope that's okay. But hopefully in all the personal stories that I share, you connect them to where you are in your own life right now. But let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. And this is going to be up on your screen verses uh, like two to three, I think. The writer of Hebrews says, therefore, since we are surrounded By such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured such opposition from sinners, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. So there it is. We're in a race. 
and we're running. Full disclosure here, my relationship status with running um, would best be classified as it's complicated. I think you can, most, most people can relate to that. I think we, we maybe aspire to be more fit or more active, um, but it's just like the motivation is not always there for me. Running is something that has been a part of my life off and on throughout, uh, throughout my life, but often sometimes there's so many negative connotations that come with running just for the sake of running. I mean, why should I run if I'm not being chased, Right? Why should I run if I'm not late for dinner, right? And yet, when I was in high school, I joined the track team here on Chippensburg High School, and I ran for all four years. Um, Or I should say I was a a jumper. My events were pole vault and long jump. More on that in a second. But I guess back then, it was the whole teenage reason of all my friends were doing it. So I thought, I'm going to do this too. And I really enjoyed it. I really did. Um, Some of my great memories from high school were from... uh, my track and field days, Um, but there was this one thing that comes to mind for me um, in that that time was that my very last meet of my senior year, which uh, I can't believe it has been 20 years ago now, um, uh, my senior year of high school, 1999, last last meet of the season, I was put into an event that was not my event. Like I said, my, my typical experience, my events were pole vault and long jump. They were the closest things I could find to like an extreme X Games sport in high school, which is what I, I envisioned myself as uh, in, in high school. And so I enjoyed the pole vault. I did the long jump too. Um, and in those events, really, the most I had to run was about 16 steps. That was good. I could handle that. But then the very last meet of the last... Um, uh, yeah senior year, Coach Levy decides it would be a good idea to stick me into the 400-meter uh, sprint. Um, the longest sprint event, a whole lap around the track, which, you know, for distance runners, that's a piece of cake, but four, 400 meters, as fast as you can go around the track. And this being my senior year, and I'm already, like, checking out, and I'm thinking, Mr. Levy, Coach Levy, why, why would you stick me in this event that I've never ran before and I'm never going to run again? Why? Little did I know, 20 years later, I'd use it as a sermon illustration, so thanks, Coach Levy. But sometimes in life, if we wrestle with that question, why, it becomes really hard to want to persist. I did end up finishing that race. I actually finished in front of one person from the other team and one person from our team. So in hindsight, maybe I should have applied myself more as a a student. Back then, I was um, maybe not as a go-getter as I am these days. But um, in our lives today, if we wrestle with that question, it's a very natural response. Maybe we find ourselves in a race, in a trial, in a struggle, and we're saying, God, why did you put me here? Why do I have to face this? Why here? Why now? What am I going to get out of this? And I want to say that's a very natural response to things especially that come up unexpectedly in our life. And if we can't figure out the reasons behind this, which often we can't, we've got to find motivation from somewhere else. Particularly when life gets hard, Knowing the why behind the what can carry us through. 
The why behind the what is a phrase that Pastor Mark, our new youth pastor, has been bringing up a lot. And I love that idea that if we don't understand why we're doing something, it's harder to really get into it. Whether that's in church ministry, whether that's in our own tasks in front of us, if we don't understand the why behind the what, it's hard to persist. So we're going to look at some more scripture this morning to see a few good motivators, a few good reasons to, to run, and then ultimately come down to the, probably the primary reason that we persist. Um, but let's look at James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. This is James writing to some folks who were in some pretty difficult situations of their own. They've been persecuted. They were scattered. Um, they were basically running for their lives. And James says to them, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So like I said, here James is writing to a group of primarily Jewish Christians who have been scattered as a result of perseverance. They're going through some horrible times of their own. And James reminds them that it really is the most difficult times in which our faith becomes strengthened, when it's proven, when it becomes real. It's that old cliche that I think so many fitness advocates love, if it doesn't kill you, it will just make you stronger, right? But I think if you kept reading the book of James, you could add to that cliche, modify that cliche to say that what doesn't kill you only makes you wiser. James, coming from the Hebrew Jewish background, understands that wisdom is one of the greatest things that we can aspire to. And the only way we, we gain wisdom is through experience. Wisdom is what helps us to live righteously. James is saying that wisdom for how to live righteously is something that is worth pursuing. He carries this theme on throughout the book of James. If you want some summer reading assignments, check out the rest of the book. Um, and he carries on these Old Testament themes these Hebrew ideas from the wisdom tradition and connecting wisdom and righteousness to two other good motivators, these themes of joy and peace. If you really want to know joy, it comes through persisting, persevering, accomplishing something. If you want to know peace, it comes through getting through the trial to the other side of it, then you'll discover peace. And often the only way to experience all these good things is by persevering through hardship. It's one thing to think you're smart and then have your, your wisdom, your knowledge tested by a real test here at the end of the year, finals time. Hopefully most of you students are through this by now. But wisdom, righteousness, joy and peace, these are some of the motivators that James suggests. These sound like some pretty strong motivators. Who doesn't want some more wisdom? Who doesn't want more joy, peace, who doesn't want to live correctly, rightly. However, sometimes when we're really deep in the mud, when we're really stuck, when we're really facing a trial, even these sorts of things might be not enough to get us up back on our feet again when we fall down. 
You know, study after study, headline after headline seems to declare to us that our country is in a mental health crisis right now. Depression is at an all-time high in our nation, and this is particularly true with our young people. You know, as a youth pastor, as a next-gen pastor, this hangs on the front of my mind as a personal motivator to persist in ministry with children and youth. As a church, we've got to get a handle on this epidemic. What can we as a church say to a culture that is struggling physically, emotionally, with this issue of depression? You know, for this, I I connect the dots here, but um, this time last year, I was actually in my own recovery journey. Um, and, And I learned that it is really hard to run when you are broken. It's really hard to run when you're broken. This time last year, I was recovering from a broken foot. Um, If you uh, followed anything that happened at main campus, I actually broke my foot as part of our Easter children's um, production, hopping around like a bunny on stage. Good times. Um, The thing is, I walked on that foot for about a week just thinking, oh, it's just a sprain. It hurt, yes, but it wasn't getting better. And... uh, as I realized that, I reluctantly took the advice of the people around me um, to seek some help. I finally went and got an x-ray. Sure enough, it was broken. And uh, it took plenty of medical expertise, lots of support from family and friends, lots of prayer, and quite a bit of time until I was able to walk again, let alone run. And it was during that time, it was probably one of the hardest seasons emotionally that I've been through in recent years just because of that feeling of helplessness. Like I was the, the dad, I was the guy who was supposed to fix all the problems to help everybody else out, and I could not carry myself across the living room. This feeling of weak and helplessness, um, you know, extended beyond the physical pain, but also just into my mental state as well. Fortunately, I didn't sink into a big depression or anything, but I do remember just feeling like this is not good. This is stinky. This is whatever word you want to put in there. Um, And I just remember feeling like all I could do was count on God and those people around me to carry me through it. I couldn't do it on my own. No other motivator other than just waiting and trusting in the process, trusting in the healing process would get me back on my feet to be who I wanted to be. Now, flash forward, fast forward a couple months. The very first time that I did end up running on that broken foot again. I was, it, it happened almost by accident. I was in the backyard with my dog, I think, and the dog started taking off the leash, and I realized, I got to get this dog, and I just ran after him, caught the leash, and looked down almost on disbelief on my foot, realized, wow, it actually works. And in that moment, I remember this renewed sense of joy and appreciation for God and his healing abilities that he's put in us through the process after I got to the other side of it, a renewed joy at being able to run again in a physical sense, but also kind of in that spiritual, emotional sense too. So this brings me to another passage that I want to focus a little bit on to, to kind of conclude this today. First Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, Peter says this, In all this you greatly rejoice, Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come 
so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Rejoicing in trials makes no sense until you get to the other side of it. And you can see, wow, praise God, he brought me through this. According to Peter here, the Apostle Peter says the outcome of perseverance has two dimensions. Number one, that a life lived in faith through all of the ups and downs brings us to a place where we can genuinely praise God and glorify Jesus Christ. Brings about genuineness of your faith, inexpressible and in, and, and glorious. What's the word? In and inexpressible and glorious joy. A mature faith that is only the result of persevering through the tough times. The the second thing the apostle Peter adds here, so he too was um, writing to the same you know same time period Christians who were scattered as a result of a uh, a persecution. Peter is writing this letter to the Christians who are, are scattered, just trying to, to survive during this time. And in those dark times, he reminds the believers that the ultimate end result of faithful perseverance is not just what we see in this life, but in the future. The very salvation of our souls depends on it. They go together, though. You know, God's glory, our salvation, and it all is a result of perseverance. A story from my uh, experience that that brought this home to me. What this looks like to me, I think. Um, long distance running, as I've said, isn't hasn't always been uh, my thing. But I do enjoy a good trail hike, a long distance trail hike. Um, I used to section hike the Appalachian Trail as much as I could when I was younger. And even now, my wife and, and five kids, as often as we can, we get out into the woods with the kids and do a little hiking. Um, but the longest, most significant backpack trip I ever took was uh, during college. It was a five-day, 50-mile hike with uh, my friend Jerry. And uh, we decided, we had done little, little bits and pieces, and we said, well, let's take five days, let's take about a week, and really, really get out on the trail. So we parked his car up in Boiling, Boiling Springs, Pennsylvania. We had somebody drop us off down where the trail crosses into Pennsylvania, right near the Maryland-Pennsylvania border. And, uh, you know, we had all our stuff on our backpacks. And this was a, a great section of about, you know, 50 miles of trail. It came up through Caledonia State Park, Michelle State Forest, up over Big Flat, out that away, into Pine Grove Furnace, and then onward into Boiling Springs, where the, the car awaited, our destination. Overall, great trip. We were hiking along at about, you know, 9 or 10 miles a day, sort of a leisurely pace for those real through hikers. Um, but there was one problem. When we got to the very last day and, you know, recalculated our distance, we realized that we still had about 15 miles to go on the last day, which was like 50% more than we had been doing every other day. And Jerry had to be back the following day because he was scheduled to work. Keep in mind, this was before cell phones, so we couldn't just call up and get somebody to pick us up, or uh, he couldn't call into work or anything like that. We realized that we were stuck 
15 miles away from our destination, and the only thing that we could do is just put one foot in front of the other and persevere until the end. There was no way out other than to go forward. Sometimes in life, we find ourselves in a situation like that, where maybe we started into something thinking, oh, this will be a fun adventure, and then suddenly you realize, no, my life depends on this. My survival depends on this. My job depends on this. Whatever your situation is, we get into a situation where the only thing that we can do is persevere. Yes, there's other motivators. Yes, there's other things that might compel us onward. But in the end, perseverance itself, which Jesus Christ himself modeled, is the only thing that will get us out. I'm reminded of a story, you know, we just read some of the Apostle Peter's words, um, but Peter himself in the Gospels has this wonderful moment where he and Jesus are together. Jesus had just given a pretty difficult teaching to all of these followers, the the extended group of Jesus' followers, uh, a pretty difficult teaching about the the persecution, the perils that they would face, and a lot of those peripheral followers of Jesus decided that they were going to leave. And so Jesus looks to his 12 disciples and says, you guys, you're not going to leave me too, are you? And Peter responds in the way that I think is, is faith in a nutshell. Peter responds, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Basically, Peter says, yes, this is difficult. This is hard, but Jesus, you are the only way that we can get to that salvation that we're looking for. There's nowhere else we can go, Jesus. You're all that we can find. Yeah, we don't like what you're saying, Jesus, but we're with you. I think this is often the most genuine form of worship, to come face to face with our own struggles, our own brokenness, the trials that are in front of us, recognizing that Jesus himself is the only person that can get us through precisely because he has already run that race ahead of us. The crazy thing is when we realize this, that the only way through is by persevering, it helps us understand that in the end, it's not our efforts that get us through, but it's Christ in us who gives us the will to continue. So again, back to Peter's letter, we see that he reminds us that these trials have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. The journey itself, following Jesus, is what it's all about. Regardless of what trial you're facing right now, regardless of where you find yourself, whether it's in the midst of piles of laundry or something much worse, the way through is by Jesus Christ himself. If you're lacking in motivation, as is so easy to do, asking that question, God, why did you put me here? Coach, why am I running this race? I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. Remember what Hebrews 12 reminds us. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners 
so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus has already been across the finish line and he's showing us the way. But the other thing, the other thing that is especially meaningful to me, particularly in the role I am as next generation pastor, is that it's not just about us getting through. It's the example we set to those who are watching us. The way we run our race, the way we persist through the difficulties, we decide we're not going to give up because Jesus didn't give up. That sends a message to the world around us, whether it's those younger than us, whether it's our friends and neighbors or coworkers. It's about the example we set for those who are watching us. While it's at the same time, we recognize if we look around, we see that there's others who have already made it through. There's somebody else out there who's persisted through something much worse than what I've gone through, so praise the Lord, I can do it too. Even looking at a lot of the young people that I know, the teenagers, the the kids, and the, the battles they're facing, the struggles they've gone through, and the way that Jesus empowers them has been inspiring to me as an adult, you know, to look at teenagers and say, man, they've got it rough, but they persist. So maybe, maybe that's the encouraging word for us this morning is look around. There's somebody who is also struggling alongside of you. And together, Jesus is with us. And we are all in this together. And the only way through is to just persist in Jesus' name because he's done it first. Let's go to him together. God, we thank you that you make the way for us. That your word is a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. And that even though we can't see the end sometimes and it's one foot in front of the others, you're the one that we're following. God, we thank you for the example that you've set. We thank you for the example of those who have gone on before us. We recognize that that we've got a part to play in this as well, to leave an example for others. That we persist in faith, knowing that you are the only way. You are the one with the words of eternal life, so we heed your words. We follow you this morning. We open our hearts to you, and we present ourselves ready to follow to the end. So God, I just pray for everyone in this room that they can hold on to that truth that you are with us and we take it from this place to share it with a world that needs to know it. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. In your journal or with your small group, share about a moment in your life when hindsight revealed to you that what looked like something bad actually turned out to be something good. For example, losing a job led to something better, or a setback in a relationship led to a deeper level of love and trust, or the day your cat died improved your allergies. Trials will either devastate or deepen. What has been the outcome of trials in your life? Thanks so much for joining us today on the Grand Point Church Podcast. Your next step starts here. If there's a sermon series you would like to hear next on the podcast, reach out and let us know. 
To learn more about us, visit grandpoint.church. And if you're enjoying this podcast, we would love for you to share it with a friend, leave a review, or connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Grand Point Church. We would love to hear from you. We'll see you next week.